Hey everyone, I hope this podcast and my blog and books have been helpful resources for you and will continue to be. But if you've been struggling with a chronic health problem and are feeling stuck, consider coming to work with my team and me at the California Center for Functional Medicine. We work with patients all over the U.S. and have experience treating a wide range of conditions, including GI problems, autoimmunity, hypothyroidism, cognitive mood and behavioral issues, weight gain and metabolic dysfunction, and more. Our unique model teams, clinicians with nurse practitioners and health coaches, all of whom are trained in my ADAPT framework approach to provide a high level of care to our patients. This means more support between appointments, personalized guidance on diet, lifestyle, and behavior change, a cutting edge patient portal with 24 seven access to your labs and records, handouts and resources to guide your protocols, and a team of practitioners working together on your case. We're currently accepting new patients, so if you'd like to learn more, visit chriscresser.com slash become a patient. Hey everyone, Chris Cresser here with a brief message before we begin the podcast. Imagine a career that draws on your passion for wellness and disease prevention, that harnesses your ability to support and connect with others, that helps you to develop as a person while you help others to do the same. What if you could earn a living while making an impact on thousands of people's lives and even on the future of healthcare? That'd be pretty great, right? Well, that job does exist. It's the job of a health coach. And I believe that health coaches will play a crucial role in the future of medicine, not only in the US, but around the world. One in two Americans now has a chronic disease and one in four have multiple chronic diseases. Chronic disease is destroying our quality of life, shortening our lifespan, bankrupting governments, and threatening the health of future generations. And our medical model is not prepared to address it. Why? Because the only way to prevent or reverse chronic disease is by changing our diet, lifestyle, and behavior. And conventional medicine is simply not set up to do this. Bottom line, we need people who can provide this support to help people make the changes they need to make to save their lives. We need empathetic and compassionate people with a skill for connecting and a passion for change. And my job is to make sure they have all the training they need to do their job so well, they will change the future of healthcare. A career as a health coach can be incredibly fulfilling, both professionally and personally. It really could change your life and it can also change the world. That's why I'm excited to announce that we're launching the ADAPT Health Coach Training Program. It's a 12-month, 100% online certification that will prepare you for a successful career as a health coach. It includes training in core coaching skills, functional health, ancestral diet and lifestyle, and professional development. And it's unlike any other health coach training program currently available. To be notified when enrollment opens and to learn more about the program, visit cresser.co slash success. That's K-R-E-S-S-E-R dot C-O slash success. Now on to the show. Hey everybody, this is Chris Cresser. Welcome to another episode of Revolution Health Radio. This week, I'm really excited to welcome Will Clyden as my guest. Will is the CEO and founder of Ojai Energetics. He's an award-winning pioneer and futurist of the cannabis industry, and he's known for cracking the CBD code by creating the most effective and clean CBD-rich hemp products on the planet. He's been featured in Cheddar, Forbes, Money, Entrepreneur, LA Times, and he's a regular keynote speaker of the Cannabis Forum and BevNet. I'm really excited about this conversation because CBD, or cannabidiol, is a potent medicine. I use it regularly in my practice with patients. I take it myself. My family takes it. It has a wide range of therapeutic effects that we're only beginning to fully understand now. It's anti-inflammatory. It's analgesic. It can relieve pain. It's anti-anxiolytic. It can reduce anxiety. It's antimicrobial, uh, which gives it some pretty amazing effects when it's used topically for things like skin infections. It regulates the endocannabinoid system, which is present in the gut and many other areas of the body. So it can, it can really help with uh, GI issues. The list goes on and on. And yet there is a ton of confusion and hype surrounding CBD in the marketplace today. Um, it's exploded in popularity. I'm sure you've heard of it. 
And when that happens, there are always a lot of uh, shady entrants in, into the marketplace. So you get a lot of people just trying to make a buck. And um, as CBD products aren't really regulated right now, it means you get a lot of inferior products that don't contain what they say they contain or are not very bioavailable. So you have to take you know, so much of them in order to have an effect that it's just not even practical financially. Or maybe they are uh, full of pesticides or other products that can, can get into the, uh, the CBD oil um, through the, the growing process of hemp. So there are a lot of things to consider uh, if you're wanting to use CBD therapeutically. And that's what we're going to do a very deep dive on in this podcast. So uh, I hope it's enlightening for you and you enjoy it. And let's dive in. Will, thank you so much for joining the show. I've really been looking forward to this. I mean, thanks for being here, me as well. Uh, I want to start with the absolute basics here. I mean, pretty much everybody who is listening to this, I think, has heard of CBD or cannabidiol at this point. But I have a feeling that there's still quite a bit of confusion about what it actually is. So what is CBD? Um, so CBD is a what's called a phytocannabinoid. It's a, it's a fat soluble compound, um, that is a byproduct of, uh, the cannabis plant. Um, it's one of over 400 or one, one of over 114, uh, cannabinoids. And there's over 418 compounds that the cannabis plant produces. And it's one of them. Um, it's probably got the, the most coverage currently other than THC. Um, and, and when I talk about CBD, I'm always referencing CBD in a, phyto, a full spectrum or broad spectrum complex. Some people are isolating the molecule. Uh, and it's kind of like the trumpet section. And, and in reality, what our bodies really need is the trumpet section with the symphony orchestra of all the other uh, cannabinoids and, 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 and uh, bioflavonoids and terpenes, et cetera. Right. And we'll, we'll get into more detail on that because that's something you and I both agree on. I, as an herbalist myself, yeah. you know, that's one of my pet peeves is this allopathic idea of, you know, isolating a specific nutrient or compound and amplifying it and then expecting that we'll have the same therapeutic effect and no side effects, uh, you know, that you, like that you often get with the whole plant. But it, uh, it's obviously not that simple. And we're going to we're going to dive into that further. Uh, you know, one of the first things that comes to mind for my patients sometimes when I recommend CBD, CBD, if they're not familiar with it, I see a look come over their face You know, when I say, you know, this is from a cannabis plant or cannabinoid and they say, ah, oh, I don't want, I don't, I'm not interested in that, you know, I, I, and then I um, need to explain that there's not the same psychoactive properties with CBD as there is with THC. So again, for the, for the person who's not very familiar, can you tell us a little bit about how how this works yeah so um it is uh completely it's 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 you do not get high at all from it in fact um through some indirect uh mechanisms in the body it actually counteracts the psychedelic component of thc uh and and and, and some of the other psychoactivity effects from thc um, I think you, you've even, in a previous conversation you mentioned have been exploring this as a sort of antidote to feeling the, high. Yeah, so it's half of it. It, um, right. it gets rid of the, so THC uh, agonizes. So our bodies have these receptors, right, called endocannabinoid receptors. Um, we know two and now three. The third has been discovered. There's going to be more in right. likelihood. Um, THC directly fits like lock and key into one called CB1, and that's throughout our brain and nervous system predominantly. Um, and then it also, they, we found that, that, that there's uh, serotonin receptor sites that couple with the CB1 receptor, and the THC will agonize that serotonin receptor. And it's the same receptor that other um, psychedelic compounds like DMT or LSD or I've been agonized, and that can attribute to the psychedelic edge of THC. Now, CBD binds to that serotonin receptor and selectively um, downregulates uh, allosterically the THC action and shuts that part of it off and can, can bring the psychedelic edge down. 
And then there's another compound, at, uh, uh, pregnenolone, which we produce in our brain, yeah. uh, that uh, binds to the CB1 receptor and uh, selectively shuts down the agonization of the THC at that site. And so combined, it's a complete antidote and completely sobers the user up. And we have the patent issued for that. That is a neat trick. Yeah. <laughs> and actually, it has um, therapeutic, many therapeutic benefits, as you and I have discussed before. Um, some people find and, and we find in, in, my, in our work with patients that THC is a medically useful compound, you know, above and beyond just the recreational use and, and, and people taking it to get high. It has some properties, therapeutic properties that CBD doesn't have. And, and for some people, it can be um, really helpful, particularly with, um, you know, inflammatory bowel disease and get, and sleep issues, but they don't want to wake up or deal with any of the psychoactive properties. So it's really useful to have that um, tool in the bag, so to speak. 100%, because it's only going to be uh, on the CB1 and CB2 or CB1 and the serotonin site. Uh, does it get shut down? And, and then the THC, um, will still be active on other receptors and CB2 receptors yeah. in the body. Uh, still has the therapeutic effects right. um, without producing the, the yeah. psychoactive uh, properties. Yeah, that's, that's phenomenal. And our bodies certainly need, in reality, trace amounts of THC. The, the best, micro, and I consider cannabinoids, um, particularly the, the, the ratio that is found predominantly in our, in our um, non-psychoactive varietals uh, of high CBD, low THC, but some THC presence, and the other cannabinoids to be micronutrients in reality. Um, that's my the, the the hypothesis given the anthropological um, record of usage. Um, it's one of the oldest plants domesticated, if not one of the first, uh, and we have evidence of pre-Neolithic cultivation and usage in Japan. Uh, and then around, right when we went to, from hunter-gatherer to uh, agricultural, uh, in, in the uh, Chinese record, it's one of the first plants recorded to be domesticated. Then the Scythians and the steppe people uh, took it and brought it anywhere that they went. They brought it to the uh, Greeks, who brought it to the Romans, and then anywhere Rome colonized, they brought cannabis. Uh, they brought it to the British, and then anywhere the British colonized, they brought cannabis. And the first cannabis laws in the U.S. colonies were you would be fined if you didn't grow it. Um, and the oldest cookbook that's recorded and printed uh, is a Roman cookbook. Uh, it's around 300 um, BCE, uh, but it, it, it contains a recipe of cooking with cannabis flowers. Uh, and, and so the and there's documented uh, direct intake, uh, the Scythians. Um, used it through combustion. And then there's that direct recipe of the Romans of cooking with it. But the primary intake would have been through um, uh, feeding it to, as fodder to the animals. And there's record uh, in Pennsylvania, pre-prohibition, being fed to chickens. And then all the way back, there's there's older historical record on some, some islands as well. But um, a, a prelim study in Colorado uh, post 2014 farm bill, they, they did hemp fed chickens and they found that um, when homogenized, there was up to 1% CBD content per egg. It would have been CBDA, the acid form, um, per egg, which is substantial. That's like 250 milligrams of CBD. Yeah. And the eggs. Right. One egg. Right. And wow. So in India, we were consuming substantially high numbers of, of CBD molecule. Uh, and then when we cook the eggs, we would decarboxylate it and get CBD. When we cook the chicken or the cow, we'd get the, we'd decarb it and get the CBD. But then when we drank the milk products, um, we'd be getting the CBD acid form. So our bodies for millennia likely have had a regular supply of high CBD, low THC decarb with a, uh, then a less constant, but still frequent supply of the acid form of the cannabinoids. And I, and I believe that's why the data shows, particularly Israel has been um, leading the game in terms of, of, of clinical research uh, for decades, mm -hmm. uh, prohibition in the United States, um, the, the, the strong data demonstrates you need right uh, around 500 milligrams of a fat-based CBD uh, or the equivalent of, of a fat-based 
uh, daily minimum to turn the endocannabinoid system on functionally. Mm. Uh, the data really starts to kick in of, of, of real effect in the body. And so I think the reason that that, that number is so high is if we look at the, the dietary historical intake, it starts to, the, the, the picture really kind of starts to come together. Uh, right. so a lot of people are, are taking nowhere near enough in reality. Yeah. yeah. We're going to get into dosing yeah. uh, later and we're going to have a separate uh, webinar, I think we, we talked about where we're going to do an even deeper dive on all of these uh, particular topics on how, you know, how to dose it properly and what you should look for in a product. And um, there's so much confusion out there on this top on this topic. And it's so it's it's such a potent therapeutic modality that I, I just really want um, to give people all the information that they need to make good choices about it. Cause it's been such a game changer for me personally, and also for, for my patients. So, I mean, that's, that's really fascinating about the history. I, as you know, I studied Chinese medicine and I remember learning about, uh, the emperor and pharmacologist Shen Nung, who, yep. yeah, who, who was, uh, you know, f famously used, cannabis and and the, you know learning about the early history of its use for gout and rheumatism and even malaria um pretty pretty fascinating Isn't it? Um, coming back to just some of the basics like so it's it's not psychoactive like thc um and this is why uh, it is legal in all 50 states so let's why don't you cover just briefly the the legal and regulatory environment because i think people you yes. know, are concerned about that as well. Yeah, and there's actually a few states, and the and the, and, and it's rapidly uh, shifting for the benefit. But there's a there's a few states at a state level where they have not updated, and, and CBD is is not uh, it's not so friendly. But at a uh -huh. federal level, it's completely legal. Um, in the majority of states, um, it is, and we can go over those states. But um, it. it, it Yes. Yeah. How many, how many states? I, w I actually wasn't aware of that. <laughs> I'm glad yeah, we're having this conversation. Yeah. It's, it's, uh, it, it, well, it, cause it, it, it's, it flickers. Um, fortunately bureaucratic decisions don't always pace with logic. Um, right. Yes. <laughs> uh, you, you can order it like it's federally legal. You can order it online. And the farm bill uh, stipulates that states cannot block the uh, intrastate transport of hemp and its derivatives, including cannabinoids such as CBD. Mm -hmm. uh, however, at a state level, they can ban it. Um, Interesting. That now, uh, that, that all of those states, because they're realizing that the uh, one health importance, two uh, market size, uh, they're missing out on on, on massive tax tax, tax revenues. Yeah, and jobs. Uh, fo follow the money. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> So they're, they're, uh, so Idaho is probably the most famous. And then you've got, it was the Dakotas, North Dakotas flipped. Mm -hmm. um, I know they can grow in North Dakota now. I'm almost certain CBD is now friendly there. Uh, South Dakota currently is a no-go. Um, Texas was on there, but now it's, it's golden. Um, and... That's okay. We can we can put a full list on the show notes so that every everyone can see. And yeah. you know, another thing is travel. So I, a while back, it used to be that the FDA didn't really have like have a clear position about whether you could you know fly on a plane with CBD and take you know take it on the plane with you. Recently, if I remember correctly, they they issued an update that was basically like, go ahead, yep. um, that's yep. legal. Yes, they said right? that. It's a hundred percent legal to uh, travel with CBD oil. Yeah, um, which made a lot of my patients happy. <laughs> I tell yeah. you that. I mean, it's crazy, right? It's yeah. it, this vegetable that that so that, like um, Jefferson was quoted saying the most the most patriotic thing someone can do for the country is to is to sow hemp seeds. Mm -hmm. uh, the, the 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 articles of declaration the first drafts written on hemp the first flag ma made by betty ross was made out of hemp um anyways uh the um the the reality is the prohibition was a blip in in historical human uh usage it's mm -hmm. uh, for the majority of the time it was the most commonly grown plant uh, one up right and so the uh basically the definition um of of hemp it's actually not a botanical uh, uh distinction 
um, it's it's a legal distinction. And a Canadian doctor in, in the uh, in the 70s was tasked with drawing the line from um, industrial needs. So the term canvas, the etymology of canvas, it comes from cannabis. Uh, uh, and so you had um, industry and uh, naval and, and um, demand. And so after the, the prohibition, they said, okay, let's, let's, let's draw a line at 0.3% THC and less um, that is hemp and anything above 0.3 that is not hemp. And the guy who did it, uh, he, he stated that that this is an arbitrary line. Actually, recently he's he's expressed regret, thinking he should put it closer to one percent. Certain countries in Europe have that one percent uh, threshold because anything above one percent is when the THC becomes uh, psychoactive in ratio. Right. Um, so it, the U.S. any any cannabis plant whose THC is below 0.3, uh, so it's not psychoactive, um, is legally hemp. Okay, that's helpful. So uh, now that we've kind of got those basics out of the way, let's yeah. dive into what CBD's properties are from a medicinal standpoint. Um, you know, what uh, starting, yeah, I mean, starting with uh, w the mechanisms. You know, anti-inflammatory, analgesic, anti-anxiolytic. What what are some of the things that it does in the body? Yeah. So, uh, so our bodies have a system called an endocannabinoid system, uh, endo being internal, cannabinoid coming from cannabis plant and system. And so this system, uh, it turns out it has receptors in every single uh, other system of the body, including at a cellular level. Um, and the primary functionality of the system is to maintain homeostatic balance for every other system. So it's got receptors in the nervous system, the digestive system, the skeletal, the dermal, reproductive, cardiovascular, respiratory, literally every system has these cannabinoid receptors. And it's like the conductor of the body's symphony monitoring uh, that all these systems are playing well together at the right times and the right levels. And if one of them goes out of balance, its job is to uh, deploy cannabinoids uh, to uh, then go in and bring that system back into harmony with the entire body. And one of the ways that it does this is through buffering oxidative stress. Um, so oxidation is like rest for our cells. Um, and it's involved in every chronic inflammatory modern disease that is killing us every year. Right. And, and so we live in, so if, if we look at humans, um, have been consuming these cannabinoids for millennia. And what's fascinating is each epoch kind of that the, the cannabis plant actually drove technological advancements in society. So it was used for all the, the nautical uh, sails and ropes. It's antimicrobial, antifungal. It's the strongest fiber on the planet, uh, which led to expansion and then going into um, uh, the beginning of the, the first industrial era, it was uh, the, the lubrication, the hemp seed oil was the lubrication. The diesel engine was designed to run off of hemp seed oil. Um, it led to plastics, but with each of these events, right, comes an increase of oxidative stress and uh, the plant simultaneously provided an expansion, but at the end at the same time, the micronutrients to feed our body's endocannabinoid system, it's fuel for the system. So these cannabinoids uh, in the full complex are like fuel for the endocannabinoid system and enabled us to buffer uh, the oxidative stress or help buffer the oxidative stress um, associated with living and the, and the changes. And what, so now we go to the forties, we've got, an, uh, we, for the first time, really, we, we prohibited this plant artificially created this, uh, endocannabinoid deficiency by cutting the, the, the nutrients out of the diet and simultaneously entered an era of more oxidative stress than ever before. The saber tooth tiger's gone, but going to a grocery store and needing to pick between more than six options, they did a study and it shows that it, that, uh, that, it, that, that creates a notable oxidative stress response. Mm -hmm. uh, so that's like the least of our modern stressors. So we one-two punched ourselves, essentially. We, we, we cut out our, our, our fuel for the endocannabinoid system and ramped up uh, the stuff that, that um, the oxidation, which uh, the fuel is needed to, to buffer. Um, when we have an oxidative stress response, it, it increases this uh, compound called FAAH, um, 
and that enzyme actually degrades uh, this our in, one of our internal cannabinoids called anandamide. So when you go through a stress event, uh, the body's going to try and deploy the anandamide, but this FAAH enzyme increases and destroys it. So we put ourselves in this in this negative feedback loop artificially. When you take CBD, it actually modulates the levels of FAAH in the body and enables anandamide to last longer uh, in its half-life and circulation in our body. And so that's why when we put the cannabinoids and fuel back in this in our system that we've artificially idled, all of a sudden um, the system lights up and uh, all of a sudden driving in rush hour traffic, people go, oh my goodness, I'm, um, normally I would be freaking out and I feel totally collected and present. Mm -hmm. um, <laughs> so it's got a it's got a regulatory effect on the uh, antioxidant defense system, the oxidative stress. It has anti-anxiolytic or anti-anxiety effects for many yep. people um, it, via the endocannabinoid system as well. Yep. And, and it has direct action on, on the vanilloid receptors, um, uh, mo which modulate um, pain and inflammation response. Right. I was going to say then pain and inflammation are, are bit other major uses, um, uh, particularly at those higher doses that, that you talked about. So, I mean, if we're talking about pain, inflammation, oxidative stress, then uh, it's no wonder why CBD yeah. has been shown to um, have an impact on so many different conditions because those are pain, inflammation, and oxidative stress basically characterized every chronic modern inflammatory disease from headaches to migraine to... Uh, Crohn's and ulcerative colitis to arthritis to cardiovascular disease to depression, which is now considered to be an inflammatory condition. I mean, the list really goes on and on. And and so we did a uh, uh, we we have to be careful with what we say on the art supplement end. We have uh, substantial IP on on medical uh, sides, so mm. I, I can talk about the different. Yeah, I understand. Um, but we did a uh, we did a, a preliminary um, sixty day blood panel study with Quest Diagnostics, mm -hmm. uh, um, a doctor from a cardiovascular surgeon from UCLA uh, who was monitoring it, and um, we looked at three different inflammation fact we, factors, with, along with other things like lipids. And, but but the uh, homocysteine, C reactive protein, and one of the other major markers, and uh, Dr. Brandman uh, said he had high hopes, like given all three combined uh, to, to see across the board around a three to 4% reduction would be fairly substantial. Mm -hmm. uh, after the 60 days, he came back at 12 to 14% reduction. Wow. Yeah, that doesn't surprise me, but I'm sure it um, was pretty shocking for the investigators because you don't see those even with a lot of significant, you know, and Pharma say, pharmacological anti-inflammatory drugs. Exactly. Um, yeah. Yeah, and I and I I'm not under any of the same restrictions you are, so I can talk a little bit about my own experience um, okay. using CBD in clinical practice and some of the conditions that I think about it for. And you know, to be honest, at this point, um, I'm using it. It's it's kind of stands out when I don't recommend it for a patient just because I found it to be so effective for so many different conditions and so well tolerated. It doesn't have the side effects typically that most other medications and even supplements have. And as we'll talk about later, there are some interesting dose response curves and things that happen when you've been taking it for a while that that you know, mean you don't actually tend to build up significant tolerance and sometimes it's the, the opposite. So I, I don't really believe in, or oh, I hadn't <laughs> believed in miracle cures and, um, you know, panaceas that help everybody. But I mean, this is, and I'm kind of allergic to hyperbole, but this is, yeah, this is about the closest that I've seen in 10 years of clinical practice, especially when you get the form and the that you know the bioavailability and the, the dosage correct and you're making sure to choose a product that's not full of pesticides and other contaminants which again we're going to talk about later but uh, you know yeah. just for me in the quick list it would be like 
again, anyone with any kind of inflammatory condition. So we're talking about all the uh, inflammatory bowel diseases, including an irritable bowel syndrome, any GI issues because the endocannabinoid system is highly represented in the gut. So yes. I definitely think about it for that. Uh, mood disorders, uh, behavior disorders, and anxiety because of the uh, what you just described with the the how it works in the brain and the oxidative oxidative uh, stress system and the relationship between inflammation and all of those um, conditions that we now has now been well established. Um, any kind of pain, whether it's you know musk like uh, from a, from an injury, musculoskeletal pain, and it can be used topically that way or internally, or from like chronic inflammatory conditions like arthritis or rheumatoid arthritis. Uh, autoimmune conditions because it has remarkable immunoregulatory effects yep. that I've seen. Um, certainly nausea, that's probably one of its most famous yep. uh, uses for people who are undergoing cancer treatment. Um, uh, I've actually seen a, a phenomenal uh, antimicrobial effect yeah. too, both internally uh, as part of like antimicrobial protocols and also on the skin for yep. any kind of uh, skin bacterial or fungal issue. Um, I mean, those, those are probably the thing, the ones that I think of most, but it's, yeah. I, we're, we're, it's just amazing to going. me. We're still, we're still <laughs> discovering so many uses of this, yeah. of this compound plant. And, and, it, and, it, and it, despite like knowing like, okay, if, if, if you are providing fuel for the system, whose primary purpose is to regulate homeostasis for every system of the body, like the, the functionality of it checks out, right? And yeah. makes it still as profound. Yeah. Uh, I think it's also because we artificially idled the system. And so for, for almost a century now until just now, right? And so the, 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 the data and the, and, and, and the medical science didn't r realize that essentially. Mm -hmm. And so, uh, <laughs> With it turning back up online, all of a sudden we're seeing all these, just this, these almost panchea-like results, and it's like, okay, well, we're feeding the system that regulates every other system, and 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 it, and it makes sense. Yet it's still never not, uh, for me at least, uh, profound to see yeah. what it does for for me as well, and um, and especially the more um, familiar I become with it, and the more more. Um, skill I gain in, in using it therapeutically. Yeah. I think that's a big issue. And, and maybe this is a good segue because I often have seen, you know, pay, when patients come in and they have their first appointment with me and we start talking about stuff that they've tried. And I always ask them, you know, have you tried CBD? And they say, yeah, it didn't work. <laughs> and, and then I, <laughs> you're laughing because you know what my next questions are going to be, you know, like, what form did you take? What was the dosage? How did you use it? You know, um, because so often people will just buy some, you know, that they heard about or their friend told them about, and they'll, you know, take a few drops in a dropper or something, and they won't really notice any difference. And that's the end of it. And it's a shame because it, because it's so potent and it has so much therapeutic potential, but there's so much misinformation out there about it now. I mean, it, it, I don't need, I don't need to tell you that you're always beating this drum and it's, it's like, cause there's so much money being made now and there's just so many unsavory entrants coming into the marketplace just to make a quick buck and they don't really care about the, the purity of the of the product. They don't know, you know, even one, one hundredth of what you know about the plant and how it works, and you know they're just basically trying to make money and yes. and and consumers, patients, you know they're, they're uh, suffering from this, and practitioners are too because sure. I know a lot of doctors in my training program are always asking me like, what what do you recommend here? It's overwhelming. Like I I, I don't have time to research four thousand different CBD products on the marketplace and try to figure this out. So. You know, for someone who either a practitioner or a, a consumer who's trying to get into this, um, what do you, what are the most con important considerations when they're um, choosing a CBD product? Yeah. Um, so, so the, the the reason why also is like most people haven't felt anything, right? Is that they are due to the poor bioavailability yeah. of, of the form of, of fat based comp, uh, cannabinoid complex. Um, 
the, the real, like, like I stated earlier is the, the data really shows you need a minimum of like 500, minimum of 500 milligrams of a fat-based equivalent of a CBD molecule, right? Most bottles, uh, that's the entire bottle. Um, right. And then you start seeing these higher number bottles around like a thousand to 3000. Those are always going to be spiked with isolate. Um, 99.9% of the time. And even then that at 500 milligrams, that that's, that's the minimum amount needed. Um, and just to be clear for my listeners, what I don't want to make sure they don't miss this point because it's important when you say spiked with isolate, that means it's spiked with an isolated CBD, not the full spectrum CBD exactly. compound, Exactly. Yeah, just to bring up the dose that they can say is in there on the bottle. Exactly. And, yeah. and the isolates being made with hexane and um, sometimes cleanly. Which is a pretty harsh, yeah. I mean, there, there's some, yeah, we can, let's talk more about that in a second. So, so spiked it. 3,000, right? that's six, that's six doses. Yeah. Of, right. And so what I, what, what's happening is you have people who are, 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 are getting placebo, right? Uh, mm. Which is great. Yeah. Uh, nothing wrong with that. Yeah. However, proper engagement of the endocannabinoid system is vastly different from a placebo response. And, and um, I think there's also, which warrants more discovery is, is trace amount. So THC, uh, it's metabolite when it gets uh, digested through first pass digestion. Um, it goes from Delta nine THC and it becomes uh, Delta, it becomes 11 hydroxy Delta nine THC. Now this 11 hydroxy um, form uh, is actually substantially potent in the body for, uh, at, at, at very small amounts, which is why some people, a lot of people, uh, have terrible experiences taking edibles where right. they don't with... Oh boy. <laughs> uh, it's, it's substantially more psychoactive. It lasts longer in agonization. Um, and so I think there's, it warrants there, there, there could be some anti-inflammatory response with this trace amount of THC in these products. However... Uh, to really get to see what the, the what CBD can actually do, right? We just need no one's really getting enough unless they're taking a more bioavailable form. Mm -hmm. So uh, what it, what are most of the CBDs become in a fat soluble form? Right. Um, MCT or which and there's issues with MCT as you're aware. Yeah. Uh, right? Again, hexane. Um, but uh, you can make an organic MCT through. Fractionation, but the, the, so adding some fat to it enhances the bioavailability, but nothing substantial enough. We're talking about maybe no, not even close to a thousand percent increase. Like, mm -hmm. but so what happens is when we eat the fat, our bodies have to it, any type of fat, not just cannabinoids. Um, it, it has to uh, nano encapsulate it in the stomach through bile secreted by right the liver that basically nano encapsulates it around 40 nanometers in these little bubbles of, of water and and that's how it can get into the bloodstream so our bodies have evolved having this water layer to keep fats out of the blood immediately so it can sit in the gut and that's where the body's determining okay is this toxic or do i want this to get let into the blood because once it lets a, a fat into the blood then it can travel anywhere yeah. And so this process is very inefficient with cannabinoids. So the like the the data shows on average, if you eat twenty milligrams of CBD, ninety percent of it is lost, and only two milligrams of CBD actually makes it into the blood. And it takes about thirty to forty minutes for it to get nano encapsulated and then brought into the bloodstream. Um, and so, uh, twenty milligrams is is nowhere near enough to really. To, to functionally engage it um, at its at its uh, uh, properly turn the system on. So let's say you eat 500 milligrams. That's a lot of fat to eat. And so our yeah. historical wise, how we were getting is we would be eating the, the byproducts of the animals and the animals. Um, so there's what you can do is we we actually figured out in in, in 2014 um, how to nano encapsulate the cannabinoid complex in um, a water bubble essentially without using anything synthetic or synthetically modified at the same nanometer size that our, our gut does it. Uh, and so this process enables it to get directly into the bloodstream the second that it comes in contact with the mucosa membrane. 
and uh, which and so our formulations the users can actually get a functional dose so all the time we get people um and i'm sure you've seen it directly within your yes. practice as people go I, I thought cbd didn't work and oh my goodness it, it actually works right, right. <laughs> and i don't have to buy 14 bottles to get the necessary dose which is exactly. yeah so what how does it break down like um with a bottle of ohi energetics which is your product uh, yeah. what what is the you mentioned 500 milligrams with fat soluble uh, uh form what is how does it break down so we initially we're, we're looking at um, we, we, around a, a, a 20x increase. Uh, subsequently, looking so this delivery system is called, a, and there's different types of encapsulation techniques. Mm -hmm. um, and ours is called a, it's a colloid. Uh, and so this formulation um, has repetitively been demonstrated to increase bioavailability by over 100x. Um, wow for fat-based compounds like cannabinoids, like curcuminoids. Curcuminoids have almost identical PK profiles in terms of ratio response. They're, they basically have the same molecular weight, very similar. Um, when you take a, a, a liposomal encapsulation, which is not the best way to do it, and you cannot do it without synthetically modified compounds or, uh, for cannabinoids, mm -hmm. um, tends to have, a, a, your curcuminoids have an eight, times uh, X um, bioavailability, same for cannabinoids. When you take it and you nano-size the particles um, without encapsulating, it gives a 3X for curcuminoids, it gives a 3X for cannabinoids. And when you do a colloidal of curcuminoids, you get over 100X. And we've seen this um, with uh, following through with CBD, and that's what we use for our formulations. Mm -hmm. So... Uh, conservatively 20, but, but with, so say 20 uh, X and how does that actually, that would be without me having to do the math, like, uh, how many doses, uh, yeah. if, would that be in a bottle typically? Five, so 5,000 mags, but the reality is it's, it's, it, and you, and you've seen it. Um, yeah, probably more. It's closer to 25,000. Yeah. Okay. Um, so uh, that's why people get response with less than a dropper. Uh, the first time they take it, they actually feel it. Because also the, the system is, is um, upregulated, the receptors, mm -hmm. because it's been in this drought, yeah. so to speak. Uh, and so you need to prime the pump and do a loading dose to really kick it in. And most people are never even coming close to that with, with right. a fat-based formulation. And so um, we found that that most people at, at most it's two droppers uh, and they feel it in under 30 seconds. Um, so, and, and is that one time a day, twice a day, three times a day, or is that just yeah, the full daily people, dose? People find a single dose um, in the day is more than sufficient mm -hmm. to get the they're looking for. Yeah. Now it depends on the individual. And so, so the, the um, what's really in interesting is that, that, that CBD in, uh, has multiple bell curves of efficaciousness, um, meaning that a higher dosage can be substantially less effective than a slightly lower dosage amount, Yeah, the curve of efficaciousness. And there's more than one of these peaks. And so um, it actually, th that, that, that it doesn't stay static that way. It, it actually modulates depending on oxidative stress of the day. So it's a moving target. Mm -hmm. It tends to trend downwards with inverse tolerance. So I liken THC to be like a scalpel. Um, THC, you, you build tolerance with high CBD, low THC, you actually lose tolerance and need less over time because you're down re regulating the receptors and, and, and the system becomes more efficient. I think you might have accidentally said that backwards. So let me rephrase that just to make sure people are understanding. With, C with THC, you need to take more and more over time because you develop a resistance. But with CBD, the, the opposite can actually be the case where you take less over time because right. your, your body becomes more sensitized to it. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Uh, and, and that's on average. However, if you then uh, get on a plane and you get jet lag, right, the oxidative stress from that will bump the um, bell curve chart back uh, up higher. Interesting. So it's a moving target. Um, 
Right. So yeah. anything that happens, like if someone has a is autoimmune disease and they have a flare, they might need to go back up on the dose curve during those times. Correct. Um, depending on the on, on whether it, like what's going on and and what they're dealing in their system, if there's a more systemic issue, uh, it can that the the down like the 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 bell curve and dosage amount uh, down regulating tends to uh, take longer for that to occur. Right. It typically happens around two months. And is uh, there is there a scenario earlier on where they do they do need to increase initially? Like I, I know you said there's a kind of a loading dose yeah. up front. Um, is it you know? Well, let's let's actually back up because we had some back and forth um, by email on this when I started using the product and yeah. was um, initially had you know phenomenal results, and then after a period of time. Uh, those started to become less evident. And so I reached out to you to get some tips on dosing it properly. And of course, all of my own <laughs> research that I do on myself, I get to share with my patients and all the practitioners I train and the health coaches I train. So um, it's uh, multi-purpose. Um, so yeah, why, why don't you, we walk through that because there's a whole way of dosing that you talk about where you... Um, put some drops in your mouth and you taste, um, you, you wait and see how it tastes and then you make, you know, decisions based on that. So let, let's talk about how that works. Yeah. Um, so the, uh, because of the, uh, in, encapsulation technique, it gets so rapidly into the body. Um, it, it actually will modulate our sweet receptors of the tongue depending on where it's at in efficacious uh, ratio. Uh, and so it will, will literally, as you titrate um, dosage, we recommend titrating a quarter dropper at a time, um, it will go from quite bitter uh, to sweeter and sweeter and sweeter. And when it's halfway up the curve of efficaciousness, it will be like sweet and then bitter, and then all the way to cl like cloyingly sweet, almost too sweet mm -hmm. at, the, at a peak. And then if you keep going, it will actually start getting more and more bitter again as it goes down in the efficaciousness uh, curve. And then as it approaches the next efficacious dose range, it gets sweeter and sweeter and sweeter to fully sweet like honey again at a peak. Right. And these uh, peaks, um, so the endocannabinoid system uh, operates running like in triage, right? Um, and so it's determining which system um, is it, it, it deems most out of balance uh, and deploys the cannabinoids to that, those systems on its order of um, a priority uh, accordingly. And so sometimes um, it, predominantly the endocannabinoid system is going to prioritize uh, vision as well as nervous system. Um, or, or as well as inflammation response, uh, you'll you'll and that makes sense biologically, right? Like if our vision goes, uh, we're we're in a we have some problems right. from today, right? You can't see the saber tooth tiger, um, but once it kind of ch takes those those checklists, off, sometimes what we think is 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 most our number one issue, um, and we're consciously aware of. Uh, sometimes the body doesn't prioritize that, and it's uh, what we found is if it's if the first sweet spot doesn't take care of what we think is number one, maybe it prioritizes the gut over our our headache. Um, the second sweet spot uh, range of of efficaciousness, majority of the time, what we're consciously aware of, that makes the triage cut list. And so each bell curve peak, the 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 more you go up, that means the more systems the body can um, pull into balance at once. Mm -hmm. So uh, you know, I I've had the benefit of. Um, talking to you directly about this, but for people who haven't uh, seen the dosing video you sent, uh, let's get even a little more in the weeds on this. So yeah. they open the bottle. Um, this is a fairly thick fluid. So when you say full half, a quarter of a dropper, I mean, one thing I've noticed is the dropper doesn't always fill up all the way. So do you yeah. mean like a quarter of a full dropper or how many drops are you talking about with a quarter yeah. of a dropper? So basically, the quarter of a dropper is just above where the pipette begins to taper. Okay. Um, and yeah, we'll pull up to a, a, a milliliter is about three quarters of the way all the way up to the pipette. 
Um, okay. And so, and then they put mouth. that. Uh, how did where in the mouth do they put these drops so that yeah, they can assess they, the sweetness? Yeah, so they put it uh, under the tongue, and it's about ten droplets. Um, and then you roll your tongue over it, kind of like you would like a wine, um, and wait about five seconds. Notice whether it's sweet or bitter or bittersweet, and then repeat. And you take another quarter dropper, put it in, and do the same thing. And it should be um, sweeter. Mm -hmm. um, some people, their bell curves are just tighter packed. Uh, and it, it, it tends to be if they're using high THC, which is interesting. Um, so you, it's, in theory, you could be just skipping the bell curve peaks, but majority of the time, um, you would not using this method of titration, uh, and it will go sweeter and sweeter. And then when it's almost 100% sweet, then you just do single droplets under the tongue and then, and then roll it around, um, and it should be very sweet and you swallow. Um, and so you don't have to uh, wait long in between taking the quarter droppers, uh, just right. a couple of seconds to, uh, and, and to taste it and, and, and get a sense of where, right. where you're at in these bell curves. Okay. Uh, and we have a tool online as well. Right, uh, right. Yeah, we can direct folks to that. Um, okay, so you, you, you know, 10 drops at a time, you do what you just described this process to find the right dose. And that can vary depending on what's happening in your life, how much oxidative stress is present, etc. It may like if it, normally, like most people, they'll find it's like the first time average person will take, uh, uh, maybe like two full droppers mm -hmm. uh, and, and it will be fully sweet. And then after that, it could be like half a dropper. Right. The, like, once they get, once the, after, after they the first loading. Yep. Right. Okay. Uh, and then sometimes then, then um, you, you keep titrating and it's just staying bitter and bitter and it's not changing. Um, almost always it, it's very unlikely that you're just skipping over the, 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 the peaks of the efficaciousness. Uh, it, it means that it, 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 that something, uh, it, it kind of acutely is going on in the body yeah. uh, and it will take all and almost majority of the time it will be six full droppers and then it's fully sweet like honey. Yeah. Um, and then so that's the only other, which, which is pretty, it's just amazing that our body has this intelligence feedback and, 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 uh, and, and it ter turns out the endocannabinoid system, um, is responsible for sweet modulation of the tongue as well, which is right. Yeah. Uh, you sent me that the study to look yeah. at, which is fascinating. I definitely yeah. read it. Yeah. Um, okay, so that I wanted that was my next question. Actually, you know, I obviously work with uh, patients who are quite sick. Uh, in many cases, complex chronic illness. Some sometimes people dealing with pretty intense um, pain and inflammation and a lot of oxidative stress and. Uh, so this doesn't necessarily apply to the general population, but in, in those, I wanted to ask you, like, what's, is there a maximum or, you know, what, what number of droppers can people feel safe going up to if they're in a flare, an acute flare type of episode? Yeah. So, um, most people will never need to exceed eight mm -hmm. and that's like, um, really the top of the board. Um, the, uh, the, for the, for the study we did with, um, with quest, they were taking three droppers and that had a 12 to 14%. That's where most people in, in, in most situations, uh, with greater needs will find substantial, uh, effect in that three dropper range. Yeah. And then yeah. six is like something it's, that's some serious yeah. really full, you know, significant issue. Right. Or, 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 um, a, a quick short term, like, like you got a, a cold, like cold season when people tend to need six for one day and then they feel much better the next day. Yeah. Okay. Great. And, and, um, when they're taking six to eight, this kind of goes back to the question before, is there, uh, 
any reason to break those into more than one dose or is that also still just one there's you know one time a day is is no different it just it, you know um at, at that dose range no it's typically just once um and it's it's sufficient uh for what's going on now um at uh like the body will let you know like kind of like a, like a craving um, if you need it, um, if, if you have a particularly stressful day, like I'll take less than a dropper typically in the morning. And then if I'm really traveling a lot or it's just a packed day, um, I'll end up taking around two th throughout the course of the day of like a quarter to three quarters at a time. Right. And so there's no problem based on your need and what's happening. Yeah. Exactly. That like sometimes sense. also like the the body can deploy the cannabinoids and work on one system and then feel that it's got it to a sufficient level and then and then move next on the triage list but like you personally as like our human does not is like now nah, it's still irritating then redosing um it, it will almost always uh, take continue to, to work on that and prioritize it mm -hmm. cool this is so helpful i know People are going to get a ton out of this, and I, I really hope that um, folks who are have been curious about CBD but a little hesitant to try it because, that understandably, they're totally confused. They don't know what products to look for, what to try, how to dose it. What you know, uh, there are a couple C of A, right? Like yeah, like uh, people will will say they're doing. Uh, when you want third-party batch testing, not in-house uh, for transparency and, 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 and uh, quality checks. Uh, and, and then additionally, per batch, not just one, a lot of companies will do one test result and right. then I'll never post another test And it's result. all downhill from there. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and they, um, like, so we, we pioneered, uh, we were the, the first, and I still haven't found another company that's 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 doing the, this, the full battery of tests per batch available on the website. Um, I'm not, I, I I don't know if, it, if I hope more people are doing it now. Um, yeah, but it, it, uh, we test for for pesticides, herbicides, volatile organic compounds, heavy metals, uh, microbial, as well as terpenes and cannabinoids. So you know exactly what you're putting in your body every single time. Yeah. This is critical. It's hundred percent organic ingredients. Um, hemp is a heavily sprayed crop. It can be, and and, yeah. and it also has a dynamic accumulator, so it's going to pull up any nasty contaminant in the soil. So it's wonderful for cleaning up toxic soil. I mean, it's it's a crazy plant because there's such a. We're we're talking about the the nutritional and 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 then also the the, the medical side of the plant. Uh, but on like an industrial level, right? You can you can make uh, plastic out of it we actually figured out um with a stanford uh phd how to make scalable um uh, super capacitor uh batteries and graphene out of that <laughs> nanotech <laughs> yeah amazing it, it's it's i love how you're approaching this and it's so important to me that the companies that i um recommend and support have a social mission and and are providing real value to you know above and beyond just the product that they're selling. And I, you know, when I first learned about Ojai several years ago and um, read more about you guys and, and found that you were the first public benefit corporation uh, in the, I think the entire cannabis industry, right? Yep. Yeah. Can you tell the listeners who aren't familiar with that, what that means? Yeah. Uh, so we are legally bound to our charter um, which we, we set to be, uh, to be a, a, a holistic benefit to all life, including the planet itself, through all of our products, services, ventures, partnerships, um, at, 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 at an actual legal level. So, um, uh, Not just providing benefits to shareholders, which I'm, is the typical corporate charter, but you actually have to provide benefits to society at large. Exactly. Um, yeah. Because when that happened, when, when the law changed, Companies almost always there was before people really got into understanding of environmental, but there was almost always a social benefit until the '60s when the, the, these, these legislation was passed, which said no, actually 
your primary function is purely to maximize money for the shareholders, right. which ostensibly created sociopathic zombie and corporations. Yeah. Um, yeah. The public benefit corporation uh, injects the conscience back into the vehicle. Um, mm-hmm. And, 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 and so that um, we, we uh, our whole mission and purpose is, is to, uh, to provide abundance, starting with the zone zero and our internal environment of health uh, and, 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 and continuing to like what we're going to open source, like patents at the right time where our, our, and we're, and we're actually actively stepping towards like where we, you can 3d print a, a, a battery for your car that runs purely off of uh, renewable energy uh, and, 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 and hemp power for free from the cloud, from the hemp that's growing in your local area. Yeah, that's amazing. So exciting and, that, that what's possible here. Yeah, so uh, Steven, do you know, have you met Steven Cutler? I don't think so, no. Well, uh, he's, he's a baby. Um, uh-huh. Yeah. Um, he wrote the book, uh, co-authored with Peter Diamantes, Abundance. Oh, okay. Yeah, I, I've read that book, but I haven't met him. Yeah, he's uh, now an advisor uh, to the company, mm-hmm. uh, and it's just—it's awesome. Like we, the, this plant provides so much benefit, and it's—it's it's really a privilege to be able to serve it and the planet um, and, and and the population because um, it's—it's just an incredible uh, catalyst. Yes, uh, I agree a hundred percent. And thank you for setting the bar high uh, here and, and doing this in a way that does serve the planet as well as um, people who are taking this. As I said before, there's, uh, and I, I wish that could be said for all of the companies in this space, but that is unfortunately not true um, of many of them. And it's just a, a relief as a clinician, you know, who's treating patients and a you know, the creator of training program that's training hundreds of practitioners and coaches every year to be able to, you know, confidently refer my patients to this product. I, we use it in our family. Uh, I recommend it to all my other friends and family uh, when they ask and to the coaches and practitioners I train um, and just feel totally safe and secure and that they know that they're getting, first of all, the rec- the therapeutic benefit that CBD promises, but also that it's organic, that what the bottle says is in it is what's in it, because <laughs> that's a huge problem with not just CBD, with a lot of different supplements. Um, so yeah, I applaud you guys for um, taking the high road here and, and making this available to everybody. Yeah, yeah, it's, uh, it, I, I, we hope that others uh follow this yeah i i do as well so um for all the listeners if you want to give this a shot um will and his team at ohio have been super generous uh creating a an offer for for you um to make it easy so if you go to cressor.co slash cbd that's cressor.co slash cbd uh, you can learn more about it but um, they're offering free shipping if you order a single bottle of the hemp elixir that's what we've been talking about so far Um, and then if you order three of the bottles of the hemp elixir you get free shipping as well but you also get a free tube of their cbd pain gel which we haven't had a chance to talk about yet Um, so let's let's talk briefly about this because this is another use of CBD to use it topically in a gel form for pain, but also I mentioned for skin conditions as well. What are some of your favorite topical uses? A lot of which we can't say. Um. Right. Right. So let me say um, the, you know, I've, I've, I've seen it have an antimicrobial effect um, on various skin conditions. And I can't say that, that we have the patents for uh, cannabinoids. Um, like this um, uh, for uh, MRSA as well. Right. So I was just about to say, yeah, yeah, MRSA, resistant uh, staph infection for skin. I've used CBD and honey, um, Manuka honey together with good results. Um, 
but lots of different skin conditions, uh, di different pain conditions. I've had patients who have GI distress use it both internally and topically on top of the belly with good results. Um, so the, the gel can be super handy to have around, especially for injuries or aches and pains in your neck or back or things like that. So the three bottles with the free tube of the pain gel is a, is a phenomenal way to try it out. Um, and so again, Cresser.co slash CBD. And what Will and I decided was that after a while, um, you know, while you've had a chance to order it and try it, you're going to have some questions. And so we'll do a, a webinar where we answer those questions and, um, you know, give you even uh, more uh, insight and, and feedback on how to use it properly. Because it's one thing to hear a, a podcast like this. And um, then once you start using it, um, you know, you'll have probably more questions. I, I definitely did myself. So um, look out for that in uh, a few weeks after this is published. And yeah, thank you everybody for listening. Thank you, Will, for joining us and spending time with us. I really appreciate it. Yeah, it's a blast. And for doing this work. And I'll, I'll be seeing you next yeah. week. Uh, look forward to that. And yes. everybody, uh, listeners, thank you so much for, um, for your time and attention and uh, i hope you keep sending in your questions at chriscresser.com slash podcast question and we'll talk to you next time thanks so much all right thanks will that's the end of this episode of revolution health radio if you appreciate the show and want to help me create a healthier and happier world please head over to itunes and leave us a review they really do make a difference if you'd like to ask a question for me to answer on a future episode, you can do that at chriscresser.com slash podcast question. You can also leave a suggestion for someone you'd like me to interview there. If you're on social media, you can follow me at twitter.com slash chriscresser or facebook.com slash chriscresserlac. I post a lot of articles and research that I do throughout the week there that never makes it to the blog or podcast, so it's a great way to stay abreast of the latest developments. Thanks so much for listening. Talk to you next time.